those blackened bones are cracking and jutting out of the skin, creating what I can only describe as squishy meat tents. Hello everyone, welcome to Podquisition, and let's get right down to brass tacks. We, we'll do the introductions and stuff, don't you worry, and we'll talk about Metal Gear Solid and all that, and Mad Max, whatever, right? But why is the technology not there to safely transport deviled eggs? I was unaware that the, the technology for Degville Egg Transfer was not yet in existence. Tell us about your lack of transport it's, options. It's sorely lacking, right? I went out to get Mad Max yeah. today, right? Went to Best Buy. They had four copies in the store, not on the shelves. Warner Brothers have given up on that <laughs> fucking thing. Anyway, went there. We were in the area, so I'm like, well, I was... I was going to be late for the podcast uh, due to um, uh, my other half's hair appointment, mm. uh, but that's not till tomorrow, so I had the extra time, so I ducked into the fresh market, getting myself a French batard and some other lovely things, um, all, all the nice fresh produce. And they do deviled eggs there. Now, I'm a bugger for a deviled egg, right? Some I, I think people should call me deviled egg Jim. I love deviled eggs that much. I love how they're eggs. I love how they're deviled. I love a deviled egg. But every time I get a fucking deviled eggs from uh, the fresh market, we we drive them back home and they are smashed up in there. The 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 yolk, the, the lovely deviled bit, I'm assuming that that's the bit that's deviled, is all smeared all over the uh, top of it like a xenomorph got in there and just like smashed them up against a window. Um, they're out, they, they, they come in these little... They, they've each got a little pocket, you know, it's a little plastic tray with egg-shaped pockets and they're all arranged in the egg-shaped pockets, right? Mm -hmm. Half an egg in each pocket. But apparently the technology... You'd think we'd have created sufficiently advanced enough technology to where you can drive a deviled egg home and have it retain its structural integrity. We weren't... We, it's not like we were speeding. We were driving along doing, you know, maybe a bit over the speed limit, listening to Roachford, having a decent time, get home, deviled eggs smeared all over the place. I, I, I'm supposed to be able to just, like, delicately, daintily pick one up and eat it, um, you know, with my hand. But now I'm going to have to get, like, a small fork and carefully get it so I don't mush myself, like a Skeksis or something, just poking at it, like, trying to re retrieve the deviled egg from the deviled egg mush. And you've been listening to the deviled eggquisition here on <coughs> Jim Sterling's place. Yeah. See you next there week, There you go, deviled eggs. I, 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 it just pisses me <laughs> off. I have a, tra a story of inability to transfer things from place to place as well, but we should probably do introductions first. Gavin. That's let's introduce good. Gavin, because he's always last. Let's introduce him next. Gavin, hello. Uh, good, thanks. I've been solidly binging on the entire Metal Gear series this week for the first time. I tried Metal Gear 2 a, a few years ago and didn't really enjoy it, but I was told keep on playing, it gets better, and wow, were people right about now, that. This this is why we don't introduce you second, because I didn't actually ask how you were, and you still told me, you know. You, you're, not, yeah. you're not up to date on this whole how you're introduced thing. It's like, I say hello, Gavin. You're meant to say, hello, Laura, how are you? And you ask me how I'm doing, and then that's my opportunity for me to talk you about You see, myself. I kind of stopped listening to you guys when you were talking about deviled eggs, and then by the time you got round to me, I just heard my name and said, okay, it's my turn you, to talk. You, you say we were talking about deviled eggs as if I had anything to do with the bloody conversation. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little concerned that you're, you're, you're blotting out important discussions about exactly. deviled eggs. Instead, instead, you're here bringing video game content to the discussion like you're some sort of God nerd. Video yeah, game. Right? Fuck you, nerd. Yeah, nerd. Oof, high school <laughs> flashbacks. Oof. Uh, I, I'm Laura. I have news that's not really video game news as well. Um, sorry, yeah, if you want to do the door, now's a good time. 
Yeah. That seemed like you were going to bring something on. It's like, I've got great news, right? Bring on the great news. Let's try that again. I've got... Police are going by. I thought that was a great creaky door sound effect for a Door sound effects? (laughs) I've got news as well this week, and it's not really video game news. I had a issue with transporting something from one place to another as well today. Uh, it wasn't no, it double wasn't decks, was Do you all remember the story of the 3DS that Reggie fils tried to steal by um, pretending to be a, uh, a driver for Parcel Force? Driver for Parcel Force? It- yeah, this was this was when like Reggie Fisa May like forged a signature and pretended he delivered my shiny Zelda new 3DS and basically Parcel Force said it had been signed for, but they still bloody had it because Parcel Force more like Parcel Force. Uh, I stole Jim's joke from the pre-show chat. Um, and That's true. You 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 took that right. I know. From I think I did it pretty swiftly there. And today was no different. So. I've been working on a set of Mass Effect N7 armor for several weeks now, and I'd sent it off to someone to do a weathering and paint job on it because I am no good at bloody doing proper paint jobs on things. So I sent it off to someone, and they finished doing their paint job over the weekend, and they were meant to send it back to me, and it was a bank holiday, so they were like, right, Tuesday. I will post it on Tuesday. Parcel Force's 24-hour delivery service. That means it will get to you on Wednesday, which is when you need it for your bloody convention you're going to. So it gets like noon and there's no sign that it's even left the post office in Hertfordshire yet, which is like three and a half hours drive away. And like the cutoff time for when it should arrive with me is five hours away. So I start making phone calls. I'm like, Parcel Force, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, Parcel Force hadn't bothered to pick it up the day before. They were like, oh, we had some people off ill, so we couldn't get to all the post offices to pick up all their parcels. So uh, your guaranteed next day delivery parcel will be two days delivery. I was like, no, fuck that fuck that so what i ended up doing while like i was getting bounced back and forth by parcel force and the post office and royal mail and they were all like yeah it's not our fucking problem um they wonder why they're going out of business you know what i did because i needed this costume to me today to like check it was all painted up right and to pack it away and go off to my convention tomorrow i paid the guy who painted it to get on a train and bring me it from Hertfordshire, three and a half hours drive away, to bring me the thing for like £70 in train fares. Police are going by again. Something's clearly going down on my street. Police the keep police. driving by. They're probably looking into the devil yeah. problem. So I paid a guy 70 quid to get a return train journey from Hertfordshire to bring me my, my armour. And then when Parcel Force eventually left me a voicemail being like, oh, yeah, it was our fault. We, we had some people off ill. I was like, right, you've admitted fault. Fuck you. You're paying for that guy's train ticket. And you're paying me back my 20 quid I spent on the, on the delivery. And you're going to give me a free delivery in the future. And I shouted. Oh, yeah, kick I up shouted and I made a big social media stink about it because I got 13,000 followers. I can do that now. And yeah, and eventually they were like, okay, fuck it. We'll give you, your, we'll, we'll pay for your train journey for your friend. And we'll give you your shipping money back and we'll let you ship another thing for free. And I'm like, thank you. And you've got the whole thing. Yeah. And then I was like, well done. I was like, thank you. But I'm never actually going to use that free delivery thing because fuck <laughs> Parcel Force. Parcel Force? More like Parcel Force. Ah, uh, you stole my joke, Jim. I stole from you. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, I now have a nice shiny set of Mass Effect armor that I haven't had a chance to try on yet. I went and got it, picked it up from the station just as we were recording. So... It's all alluringly in a box behind me, and I haven't tried it on yet. Excellent. But, Gavin, would yeah. you like to follow that up by questioning what uh, Laura just said in a gruff voice? So you've noticed what uh, my favourite part of Metal Gear is, then? I, 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 I was picking up what you're putting down, let's say yeah. that. 
Uh, I, yes, I was just David. willfully ignoring it, hoping that we could just get Gavin to inexplicably talk in a very deep voice for as long as possible with no explanation. No explanation? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, you know... You're doing your impression of Quiet's voice, the, right? The funny thing about <laughs> that series is at first I just, I couldn't understand it. I mean, it's, I think it's a very uniquely Japanese thing, isn't it? That very wacky style of storytelling that kind of i mean even even by japanese standards there's still something uniquely kojima within that yeah. like there is he's got this almost something that is at once very deep and personal and also very almost shallow in its alienation there's just something there's so many disparate things that fight each other in those games it's like they'll be dealing with an incredibly dark theme and then someone will just come out with something that sounds like you know, something out of Jason the Wheeled Warriors <laughs> or some yeah. Saturday morning or someone cartoon will shit themselves or Pokemon, or you know. It's, it is a game that just, much like the same sort of thing I say about like Platinum sometimes, it is a game that clearly does not take itself seriously in the best way. Mm. Except that here it does take itself seriously sometimes. It will switch mm. between, I'm taking myself very seriously. Oh, wait, we got a bit too serious. Time for someone to like have a yeah. cheeky wank in the corner or something. Yeah, there's a scene in. I tell you what, the, Gavin, yeah. as you'll appreciate this, right? Yeah. It's the video game equivalent, I'd say, to a Cardiac song. I need to listen to a Cardiac song now. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that's a recommendation from me to you. You can find their videos on YouTube. Be warned, some of them are terrifying. Um, but there is a band called Cardiacs. You look them up on YouTube, you look at that, and, and most of you should be able to see that and think, yeah, that's the music version of a Kojima <laughs> game right there. Mm. Uh, constant tempo changes, pitch shifts, you know, but also carefully orchestrated. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's haphazard in its mm-hmm. yeah, switching it's back and doing, forth. And completely convoluted shot. and over complex and like <laughs> takes a few goes to actually understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. here's the thing. I'm just going to say like my main thought about Metal Gear Solid 5 right now. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, that's a really polished video game. Like, we've, right? we've been hearing about all those stories about Kojima pouring money into this game, like, far beyond what, you know, far beyond what Konami actually want to let him spend on the game. And you can see where that money's spent. It is like, this is a small, well, well-optimized spectacle of a polished game. It's, I mean, I, I was impressed because, I mean, I mean, I've had issues with it. Like, it crashed four times when I first tried to play it. And that seemed to be mostly down to the servers. Like, I'm having real issue with the online shit. I f- I'm finding the online stuff is making loading line, uh, loading times increased yes. and getting in the way. Uh, but the, the single play, you play it offline, you, you ignore all that fucking shit. And, and yeah, it is, it, it's, it's everything console games are, claiming they can't be right now mm. like I, i'm pretty sure it's 60 frames per second if yeah, not it, it looks fucking the the frame rate is smooth as fuck regardless and it's gorgeous and it just it doesn't look like it as far as i'm concerned I'm, you know i'm not the most graphically um, um experienced guy visuals are not my uh, strongest critical point i'll admit that but it does look like it doesn't belong on a console like it looks like it 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 shouldn't be running by the standards that other console games have given yeah. us this generation. It, it feels in some ways like uh, the retro games for Nintendo consoles, retro stuff, because it feels like they are getting more out of these machines than they have any right to be getting out of them performance and sort of art style-wise. Yeah. Hasn't Kojima always done that mm-hmm. as as a... He's generally been Sony he, exclusive before, so hasn't yeah. he had to do that? 
he's always done that to a degree, but like I think this is the best example yet of yeah, holy fuck, you pushed that machine and you got so really guys, great results out of it. Like he squeezed blood from a stone, more or less. No, yeah. no, no. He, he got it he out squeezed, there somehow. He squeezed blood from air. Like, there was nothing yeah. to, even, to even squeeze nothing and to even squeeze blood out of it. <laughs> and I shouldn't say just Kojima. I mean, everyone at Kojima Productions, because, of course, they're, the, you know, all of the programmers and the people who worked hard and who Konami will probably fire now <laughs> uh, because fuck Konami. Um, but, yeah, the, from a pure... Um, product standpoint, Metal Gear Solid Five is is the shit so far. Mm. Um, to say nothing of just how complex it is and involving it is, and and it's been a while since I've played a game that where I am excited about the idea of going back to it. Like right now, all I'm thinking, like I'm halfway through a mission right now. I'm in the middle of a base and it's got Walker gears in it and stuff. Um, I won't. I'll try and be a bit vague. With yeah, I really so want to spoilers. avoid spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's. I'll say no more on that. But I'm in a really tense position mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. and I'm not dreading going back to it. Like I'm giddy to find out how I get out of it. Yeah. This. In yeah. like without talking at all about spoilers. <laughs> Um, this is everything that you know of Metal Gear just like turned up to its fullest. Like this feels like yes. this is Kojima perhaps knew this was his last his last experience and was like, right, I am going to push this to eleven to twelve to maybe thirteen out of ten. It's the sort of like, yeah, I'm going to make it more ridiculous than ever, more like serious than ever. Just like everything's turned right up as far mm-hmm. as it will go. Yeah. What I loved was like some of the things that are in Snake Eater as little ideas little throwaway ideas that were extras that people used to talk about on forums where it's like, hey, did you know you could do this? Like, you could interrogate this dude? And it's like, I did not know that. The game never really... It never, like, yeah. That, is up front that's a huge it. criticism I have of the series, actually. All the way through, there is a lot of things it doesn't explain to you properly. Mm. And I get that that comes with older games, but... Uh, it, it, I, well, I think a lot of those things were there as almost Easter egg-ish. Mm. Like the idea of blowing up a food storage and then soldiers would be hungry and stuff, like in Snake Eater. But what? all of those ideas... Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, if you ever <laughs> see like a, a place that looks like a storage, like food or ammo or stuff, try blowing it up. Wow. Um, <laughs> like all these different things that were in previous games as throwaway extras, they're now here as expanded ideas mm. that are part mm. of the core experience, and they've been... Like, it's just so beautiful. And it makes me wonder what I'm not doing right now that is secret, that is an Easter egg. Yeah, there, there will be a lot of stuff over the next few months, I suspect, where we will see articles about, have you thought to do this yet? And the second yeah. playthrough, it'll be like, I, oh yeah, I should go try that now. Can I just say like, um, only, something yeah. about the series which I thought was amazing as well? This is a little mm-hmm. off the, that topic, but I cannot believe how apt his uh, predict his. He's basically fucking Nostradamus at certain points of that series, and I can't say it because to say what he was doing would be kind of spoiler for Metal Gear Solid Two. But there's a point in that game where there's some social commentary, and they basically predict a lot of the stuff that's going to happen now. Which is there is a lot there. of very spot-on like analysis of the state of the world at the time when the game is created and in the following couple of years. Yeah. Which I, I don't, I don't. He's think always been spectacular. Say he predicted people fighting on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. So, um, I mean, one thing is he's it, he's always um, resonated with me. He resonated with me more since I moved to the United States because um, there's a lot that happens in this country that is. 
And I'm not saying this makes America worse than anywhere else. Britain is equally shit in different ways. Um, but there are... I, I wouldn't say equally, things... but we're, we're also kind of shit in some ways. They're, they're definitely a contender. Um, but I always think of when Sokolov in Snake Eater says America is a frightening country. Uh, and, and I've... Th- thought of that it's it's really not a big line or a revelationary line or or anything revelatory line or whatever um but i always think of it uh, and everything it means in the context of that it's a line that no one in the western world was really saying at that time in sort of in mass market media and it was sort of it just felt like Oh yeah, yeah. That is a country kind of putting a statement out. To be of, yeah, fair, that is kind of if how there's the rest one of the country that you. has a right to find America frightening, it's Japan. Yes. You know. But we've we've had a few questions this week about one topic about Metal Gear Solid Five, and I'm just going to consolidate it down to one question, which I think is an mm-hmm. interesting one to ask you, Jim. Yeah. What would you say to people who ask, "Could you jump into this game with no previous knowledge of the series and enjoy it?" Okay. Um, I'm going to say no, even though I haven't played it, because the story is so convoluted and like, I'm really, look look at it this way, I'm really glad I'm playing the first ones first, because... Well, here's the thing, I'm going to say the the opposite for the same reason. Well, that's what I was about to say, is the opposite for the same reason as well. It's like, I've followed this series through all the games and it's still so convoluted that I still have no fucking idea what's going on. I suspect a lot of people jumping in right now, you're probably not going to be much more lost than I am. Well, here's the thing, and it's the same The same is true of every Metal Gear game. Mm. There is always a very basic, simple, easy-to-follow story running through the core of every single game. Mm. Every single game. The first one is a simple terrorist infiltration mission. And all of the twists and turns that come along with it um, are easy enough to follow. All of the extra history stuff is good if you can follow it, Mm. but it's not necessary. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 is the same way. Metal Gear Solid 3 is a final Metal Gear Solid 2 is the same way to a point. And then I think it's kind of... But it goes off the rails, yeah. but not in a way that you really need to understand the rest of the series. Yeah, because it, it goes off the rails in its own special way. Yeah, because when Metal Gear goes off the rails, it tends to do it in a kind of postmodern way that is very, um, it's very surreal and it's very abstract. And I think that is really cool when it does that. Yeah, like it's, it's um, but the thing about Metal Gear Solid Five. Mm. Um, I'm sorry to cut in. I just want right. to quickly get this in because it's going to upset Gavin. Because <laughs> um, Gavin, right now you're playing, you know, Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid Two, Metal Gear Solid Three, and and Four in preparation for Five, right? Mm. Um, a lot of the story it's in, in Metal Gear Peace Solid Walker, Five, I know, references yeah, Peace Walker and, and all that <laughs> stuff. Now I'm not someone I didn't like Peace Walker, mm. and it's the only Metal Gear Solid game, and I'm including Metal Gear Acid here. It's the only Metal Gear Solid game I never bothered playing much of. <laughs> um, I just didn't like it very much uh, and couldn't get into it. So I tried it enough and was like, yeah. So I don't really, I haven't really followed much of the story of Peace Walker, um, and I'm still really enjoying Five, even though they reference it a lot. Yeah. And if you ever do get lost, there are cassette tapes and audio recordings that explain everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. And again, because of what I said about the other games, there is still a very simple story running through mm-hmm. it. You don't have to know all the ins and outs to know. Big Boss and his group had some stuff. Shitty things happened to them. They're getting their revenge. Now mm-hmm. that's... And, and if you play Ground Zeroes, you get a bit of better uh, understanding of that. But that's really all you need to all you need to know to enjoy it. So I would say, 
Um, if you've never played the other ones, you'll still really enjoy this. And if you get curious about the game's universe, like the deeper universe beyond the main mm. story, it's there. Now that So should said, I finish four before playing it? Because um, I would say it's not necessary. I'm about half an hour into four now, and mechanically, it's by far my favorite of the it's, series so it's far. Not, it's not required, but if you're already playing it, I would suggest completing it. Yeah, it yeah. helps. It helps. Because um, I'm not going to play Peace Walker. I can't sit through three hours of fucking comic book pages. Yeah. I can't. Because my, 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 whole, my whole answer to this question, I guess, is you can play Metal Gear Solid V without much series knowledge, and still enjoy it. It is still an incredibly polished, beautiful, fantastically put together over the top game. But you will definitely be missing out on some stuff, and there will definitely be stuff that it will pass you by. Know. Like, yeah. if you yeah. can play previous entries or read up on the story, etc., that will definitely improve the, your experience. The kind of stuff I'm referring to, um, it's like in there. There, are, I can I can't spoil anything, but there are moments in three, which is set years and years before two. But there are moments in three where you're really glad you played the second one first because it's almost like um, you get the references yeah, and, and stuff, yeah. And and the way they run parallel to each other as well. Each game seems to have parallel things that happen, and mm-hmm. you spot that. And I'm I'm glad I'm really glad I played two before three, even though chronologically three is the first one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, people often say to you. Should should they be played chronologically or in series order? I, I would always say in series order, mm. um, because even though the timeline, you know, you can get a linear timeline from it, but the thematic uh, overarching themes of it, uh, they have their own linear scale, and it works best if you play them um, in release order. Um, but all of this said, all of this said... Um, I can't speak much of the story yet, and then this way you don't have to worry about spoilers. Because I've been playing this since 11 p.m. Tuesday night, uh, Monday night, um, when it launched in uh, midnight Eastern uh, out here in the states. Um, you know, I got three hours of sleep um, Monday, and then spent all day with it yesterday. Spent all this morning with it today. You know, I've put hours and hours. Let's say like coming up two and a half fucking days on this thing. I'm like seven percent into the story. <laughs> like there is so much fucking stuff. So what you're saying is you played about as much of the game as people who went to the boot camp and did not take a <laughs> shit had played, and you know maybe you haven't yet played enough of it to form a judgment on the full game and write a review. I mean, so I certainly am not in a position now. I've said this before. Like I said it on Zoom position this week. It's part of my um, always been part of my review policy. I don't think you have to get to the very end credits of a game to no, be able to. But- Review you'd it. You probably have to get more I'm, than seven percent of the way in. Yeah, you've got to get in. I always uh, will review a thing when I'm comfortable. I always with had it mixed feelings on that one because uh, it was Mass Effect Three that started that argument. And I honestly, someone who was like giving Mass Effect Three a ten out of a ten and hadn't played the last ten minutes, like for me, that last ten minutes would at least have docked two marks off the game. Here's here's <laughs> the thing. I disagree. I finished that game and. On my first playthrough, finishing that story did not impact the the overall impression I had of that game. So for me, it you do you know, know what it did for me, Laura? It was my what? favorite series, and I've never touched it again now, see, since that ending. It's I, I hate to go like on and on about the Mass Effect ending. I've talked about this a few times, but like here's the thing: a lot of the controversy about that ending, I think, came down to the fact that people realized, 
oh, all three endings are the same. My ending didn't mean that anything. That wasn't and it that for me of, at all. It was just uh, how bad, yeah. objectively for, terrible it was. <laughs> not objectively terrible in the slightest, very subjectively. It was, comple- but... it was objectively bad. In, no, it in, wasn't, Gavin. It was because it completely <laughs> took... Um, it, it made the game story into a different kind of story in the last five minutes. I don't which is think bad so. storytelling. Like, okay, I will argue that my opinion, and because like I can <laughs> argue this one, it means that it's a subjective view and that it's not objective, is I think that the whole way through the series there has been a running theme of you are fighting against something that you inevitably cannot take on. You are fighting against those odds. And that ending to me was an ending of futility, that no matter what you do, some things just can't be overcome. And I thought that was totally what the game was going for. And as such, I thought that was a consistent thematic ending. I agree, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the narrative style. The narrative style throughout the games was this kind of very detailed, straightforward, um, lore-filled thing. And in the last five minutes, they tried to turn it into a very abstract like Space Odyssey type story and I I think it just didn't work at all I I inherently disagree I think that the ending was still stylistically what was done I I didn't feel like it came out of left field as much as Introducing the main villain of a 90 hour game in the last five minutes I mean come on You say the the main villain like it's one of those things that like the I mean, again, we're going to be getting into spoiler territory, so I don't want to say too much. Well, again, we the, I think the fact we can have this discussion means that it is subjective and not objective. But <laughs> I would say that, like, I think it's very easy to say, like, the whole way through that trilogy, it had been setting up for this idea of the end point is not what's important. It's the journey getting there that's what you're fighting for and that i totally disagree because in in i think everything in the three games was building up to that last few minutes and especially with all the resource gathering and getting all the the things together and i want to i want to recreate this as a feature at some point but i did a public talk once based on like to me i think mass effect was a game of saving my friends rather than saving the universe like the universe was never as important in mass effect to me as the individuals i was trying to save and I think that the whole way through that remained consistent is that it was never about the universe. It was never about the big bad. It was you, never about... Did you play like, the original ending or the extended one first? I played the original ending really? first. Yeah. And it didn't bother you? You had no, no idea what had happened I, to anyone? I played, I played it on like very close to launch. I completed mm. it in a vacuum. I saw one ending and I was like, you know, it feels like a very pessimistic ending. But it felt like that's what needed to happen. And what colour was your ending? I don't think that's too much of a spoiler. Um, <laughs> I initially went for... In, well, it depends on the original ending versus the extended cut. The extended cut made it much more enjoyable to go through the synthesis. Yeah, the, absolutely. The green ending. Yeah. Um, made that was that mine more as well. That made... Uh, the green ending is a really satisfying ending in the extended cut. Um, initially, I went for blue, I believe. But mm. here's the thing is... Once I saw people complaining about the fact that, oh, no, all three endings are the same. Everyone says that your choices matter, but they don't. I was like, that's kind of the point, though. Like, your choices in the grand scheme do not matter. Your battle against the universe is always going to end one way. But what you can change is the people along the way and the experiences you have and the universe that you hopefully leave behind. And I think that that is a good ending to that series. Yeah, for, so, me, for me, I agree with you on that. For me, it was more just about the narrative style changing in the last few minutes, going going from very heavily um, 
going from something that was solid into something abstract in the last 10 minutes, I didn't like that. I thought it felt really out of place. I d- didn't feel like that was as big of a shift as you did. I felt mm. that they had laid a lot of the groundwork for that in a way that to me felt fairly natural. Anyway, Mass Effect 3. Anyway, that Metal was a Gear. little... Uh... Yeah, that was a little heated. Right, so as I was saying, I don't five. necessarily think that I have to beat every game to... Um... Right, let me tell you a problem with this podcast. <laughs> right, sometimes I get into a discussion about my business, um, the way I do business, and I think to myself, I've got to, I've got to nail this thought succinctly and right now. <laughs> And properly, otherwise I will cause more trouble than it's worth and people will get annoyed that I've said something wrong without qualifying it. And then we suddenly veer away from it halfway through and I'm like, (laughs) shit, we have got to wheel this back because I've left them hanging and people are going to be angry. So, yeah. (laughs) And that was the biggest (laughs) one we've ever... And and, uh, and I did not want to cut in because that was really good. And also because Gavin was getting into a proper debate, which, yeah, I mean... When does, the, Ga- the when does Gavin ever for. stand up for his opinion? So it's not like I'm mad or anything, but it's like, I've got to steer this back as soon as they're done. You so, talk, you yeah. talk. We're, me and Laura are going to shut up now for five minutes. And we're going to let you talk. Um, <laughs> but no, I just I did, did want to make sure that I qualify what I say. Um, because I did want to say it's all contextual and... and to bring the word up against subjective. Some cases, yeah, you should see the game all the way through. Um, I, I wasn't going to say that, oh, I could just play any old game for five minutes and review it. Um, but there are there are some games where it's like, you know, you've put 30 fucking hours in, like I did with fucking Final Fantasy 13. People keep banging on about it. Yeah, but if, you played, another no t- if you played another 10 hours, you'd have, you'd, have, you'd have seen the open world if you'd played another 10 hours. You know, here's another thing about Final Fantasy, because people love bringing up Final Fantasy thirteen. Oh my god, you didn't see the last fucking ten minutes of it. Oh my god, you can't do a proper review, right? One outlet, and I won't name names, but they were asked a question actually about my review um, at their panel at PAX. And it was a big outlet. I'm talking one of the bigger ones. And they said that, first of all, they didn't have a problem with the way I did the review. And also, they only played two-thirds of the game because their debug copy, like the, the, the third, final third, was fucked. But no one brought it up because they praised the game. Like, it doesn't matter how, like, it doesn't matter how far you get into a game as long as you fucking like it, as long as you tow the fucking company line. But people get pissed off if you piss on their sacred cow and then they find some reason they can try and discredit you from it but anyway back to the point that i had to wheel around otherwise I get in trouble. <laughs> um the point is is i will always i'll review a game when i'm fully comfortable um at having played enough and that's a judgment call i make and my contention with the metal gear solid review events was never that they quote unquote didn't have enough time it's that they had absolutely zero quality time mm. um, with it. You know, right now... Well, and they had no every... they had no flexibility with their time as well. If they felt, yes. I'm not done with it, they had no option to continue going. They couldn't stop and get deviled eggs. Yeah, exactly. I can. I can. I can get deviled eggs and then I can rant about it on podcast. Pod- so podcast. basically, Jim, um, what you're saying is um, the Final Fantasy people didn't pay you enough money to finish the game and give it a good review. Well, there's a reason I'm on Patreon now. Square Enix, your check is <laughs> clear, my friends. Do you remember when um, Zero punction came, Punctuation came out about that game? People lost their shit because Yahtzee gave up after five hours and, and then did a video yeah. on it. I think that was kind as, of missing the point of Zero Punctuation, though. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, mean, I, I still remember how everyone defended that game back in the day and now everyone... It's almost... 
common knowledge, almost like mimetically at least, that it's not a good game. Yeah, I've I, never seen anyone say nice things about not. that game. I've I've said it before, but I still really like the first Final Fantasy thirteen. I am a big sucker for visual spectacle, uh, linear narrative focused games with um, not difficult combat, but combat that makes me feel powerful. And I felt I got that out of thirteen. I can't deny it had. I can't deny it had those things. Yes, and those things uh, work may, for me. So, yeah, we we may argue on whether or not their examples of those things were good, but it, it had those. It had things. those things, and I enjoyed yeah. those things in it. It had the right balance yeah. of them that I was like, yeah, this is a game that I'm enjoying start to finish. But um, yeah, but to bring it back around to Metal Gear Solid Five, um, a lot of people are already asking like where my review is and all that stuff. Like right now, um. I I couldn't tell you one word about the story because I, like, I've only just seen Quiet um, in the story. And I mean seen, not not even interacted. I've just now seen her. Um, so it's... Does, uh, can I ask you a question about that? It's going to be at least that? a week. I've noticed that yeah. uh, Kojima likes to point the camera at boobies a lot, <laughs> particularly in, num- yeah. in number three. <laughs> You say that like this is a new revelation that the world isn't yet aware of. Well, like I'm, I'm, I've only experienced the series for, really for the first time recently, and well, you're aware that like the first game has a mission where the entire mission is about trying to recognize an ass. Yeah. Like, which of these asses is the most like <laughs> feminine swaying ass? Amazing. Because I saw that ass um, in the window, and I think I could recognize it if I look at some guards for a bit. <laughs> but if you're going to ask me about the treatment of Quiet, I cannot speak to I, it yet because, again, I literally don't know I also yet. keep getting asked about it, and I, considering the vague things I have seen said, I have my suspicions about where it's maybe going, but mm. I, I yet have yet to reach that point in the game, so I cannot mm. comment yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know Kojima by now. Mm. Like, I know... It's one of those things where it's like... Like, because I've I've said this before, and I might have to remake this. And this might have to be one of my remade inquisitions, um, where people are getting upset just because someone, like Polygon, pointed out like some of the, I guess you know, sexism um, in Metal Gear Solid Five, while also giving it a very high score. And some people are acting like that's hip, like a hypocrisy or something. But it's like, no, no, it is perfectly all right to find faults in a way a game presents mm. itself and still really like the yeah. game. Like mm. Skyrim is one of my favorite games ever. And there is a whole mission about slut shaming in it. Yeah. There is a whole mission about like shaming and blackmailing a woman because she had some sex. Mm. And it's like I can look at that and say that's fucked up, but also say that's one of the best RPGs mm. I've ever well, played. Like it's okay to accept mm. that these games may have elements of racism, uh, sexism, all this stuff in it. They may have those elements and that is a problem and deserves and needs to be talked about. But that doesn't mean we're saying um you know anyone who's talking about it that they're saying that the whole game is shit and irredeemable just that hey that's a little bit fucked up maybe that's something to look at in future what i thought is so funny in a game that like you can slut shame someone in a game where like lizards and people can have sex with each other hang on is that it that is is that part of the elder scrolls lore do the do the races ever get together with each other that's something i never really thought about I don't think they've ever really. I, I don't know. I can't remember. Is there interracial the relationships in Skyrim? That is our is question like, for the the audience. Like, there's never been talk of like half elves or yeah. or anything like that. You know. Um, I know there's certainly mods that. <laughs> oh, I don't pander doubt it. to this like, idea. I, you can't be like a half Argonian or something. Mm. Um, 
So I, I, I don't know if the if reproduction to make it suddenly sound clinical and weird mm. um, has been discussed in the sky, uh, the world of the Elder Scrolls, but I'd be interested to know because uh, I, I actually bought the uh, the novel once. I never. I've read like the first ten pages. It's not very well written, mm-hmm. um, but I'd be interested to know if there's somewhere deep in the lore that talks about it because there's nothing overt that I can think of. Yeah. So anyway, as I was trying to say, until I kept getting rudely yes. interrupted. Um, hey, yeah, now you humans... know how I feel. That's Fuck. Laura talking of rude interruption. Fuck you. <laughs> so I can't even remember what I was going to fucking say now. <laughs> You're going to talk about quiet. No, I wasn't. I was going to talk about something else. Oh yeah. Humans can hold two contradicting opinions at once, and that doesn't invalidate either opinion, and you can still like something even though you find it terrible, and that is a thing humans are capable of doing, so yay. Yeah, I mean... That's they, still related to go. the quiet conversation, yeah. Laura, so I basically won that. Well, I, I never said the word quiet or referenced quiet mm. or talked about quiet, so mm. fuck you. And I think, I, think, I think isn't Metal Gear a perfect, <laughs> probably, example of that? Because I think Metal Gear 3 especially has, like... So much kind of like booby pandering, but then it also has some of the most badass, strong female characters you'll ever see in in any story. I think I think it goes back to what Laura was saying about contradictions. Mm. <laughs> like there is there are many conflicting elements to the way the Metal Gear, not just the Metal Gear, but the video game industry at large treats um, various character archetypes. Yeah, and and women in in to be more specific, uh, and the Metal Gear is a fine example of how you can have these um, women as characters who are just incredible badasses and yet, you know, there's this sexualization yeah. element to it as well. It's, and it's when, when we critique video games, people very much like to be able to put things into boxes and it's very yes. much like you see that with discussions of sexism all the time where people want to be able to say that yeah. this game is either definitively sexist or definitively not sexist. And it's much more difficult to argue the case yes, of, absolutely. yeah, this has sexist elements, but it also has really empowering elements. And the two of those coexist in a way that doesn't entirely fit either box. Yeah. And sometimes, depending on the story, they are also not mutually exclusive things to yeah. each other as well. I mean, yeah. you know, like Bayonetta, I think, would be a good example of that. It's often frustrated me in reviews where it's like there are some people that want you to outright condemn and give the game the worst possible score because it has some um, troubling elements in it. And then you get other people who are furious that you might have mentioned the troubling elements even in like one line of your review. It's like people either want 100% or like a discussion either way. And it's like they're... Let's not do video games a disservice. Let's. Yeah. I think what they want to be able to do is they want to be able to say it's objectively bad or objectively good when they shouldn't. Yes. They should say it's subjective because people disagree, Gavin. <laughs> that was wonderfully tactical. I liked how that was brought round. But, but yeah, so anyway, that's our serious political stuff done. So, Metal Gear, and I hope you enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid, that's a pretty shiny looking polished game. Um, I yes. can't wait to play it. So, oh, God. So completely toning down the, like, the, the serious talk of the, of the episode, um, my favourite headline of this week that I've seen is um, Sexy Lesbian Ghost Game Comes to Steam Uncensored. Um, uncensored, uncensored, you say? Yeah, and this is a discussion people have been having that's for a while. That's a headline so. I like to call Laura Base. Okay, that kind of is, but it's actually part of a discussion that I think you'll both find fairly interesting, which is, you know when Hatred was coming out, and I hate to bring that game up, but you know when Hatred was coming out, and it was the first adult-only rated game to be allowed on Steam. 
And yep. a lot of people at that time were asking, so what does this mean for other AO rated or like unrated games coming to Steam? And particularly a lot of people were asking about um, dating sims and visual novels that get refused from Steam unless they censor themselves down to an 18 rating. They want, they want the porn. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I am no stranger to the slightly pornographic video games. And this is a thing that I genuinely have thought about. It's like, okay, you're, you're okay with uh, over the 18 rating for violence and blood. Does that yep. apply to sexual content? And it seems this might be the first step of saying, yes, At we last, can bring con- right? sexual content that is above an 18 rating onto Steam. It's like, I, I'm glad of that because, not not necessarily because, you know, yay porn. Uh, but, but, I mean, obviously pa- Partially like yay sexy lesbian ghost yeah. porn, but... It's always, every discussion I have is always a little bit in favour of sexy lesbian ghost porn. <laughs> um, but at the same time... Um, it's about time people just fucking grew up. Like, like, violence, violent, like, brutal bloody murder is way less natural than two people getting their bonks off. Exactly. And yet we treat one like the freak outlier, the corrupting Mm. influence, and the other like it's perfectly normal. Like, that's so fucked up, and it's immature as well, Mm. and it's about time people grew up and said, yes, we can have sexy content. Yeah, it is very weird. And it's this whole idea that, like, well, obviously we can have ultra-violent content because everyone knows violence is wrong, but we can't have sexual content in case people think that sex is okay. <gasps> you know, I have feelings on where all that comes from in most Western societies, but it would it's just one of those conversations that makes people really angry when you talk yeah, about it. Yeah, it, it feels like it's maybe not a conversation for today. It's one we should probably think about before yeah. we say about it, but... Um, you you all know what we want to say though, so just imagine the the sentences you know we would say in your yeah head. those sentences. Um, we'll we'll just pause for like five seconds, and that's where you put the sentences in that you know we would have said. <laughs> there yeah, you go. religion's wrong. Yeah, religion's wrong. Obviously, what? <laughs> what? What? I didn't hear you. I never said nothing. I um, am so not saying anything in this discussion. <laughs> I've had too many angry incidents on Twitter. <laughs> It's fine, it's fine. I know, you have, you can't help yourself. So, other things that happened this week on the silly side. Um, I got to play a game this week that I've been very excited about for a long time that we've talked about on this show I, before. Have I played it this I, morning, I, I I got to play some uh, Shower With Your Dad Simulator 2015. Hell yeah! Oh. Right. <laughs> can, I just, can I just say, right? Yeah. Because um, I played it as well this morning. I was very how how long did you play it? Long enough to where Long I enough was, that you started unlocking stuff. Long enough to where I'm going to say, were you expecting any of that, Laura? Um, I was saying months ago that I thought this was Frog Fractions 2. I'm now far enough into it that I'm like, yeah, this could be Frog Fractions 2. <laughs> it's, it's... It's... I mean, once you get, especially <laughs> when, once you get to Dad Division, you're like, well... We're already seeing what they're referencing. So, and then when it gets to the bathroom fucking flappy... But, like, that game oh. is layers upon layers, and people are still so, hating on it, but... Should we, should we talk about the, the, the base game for yes, a second? Yes, so yes. the base game is you are one of three small children trying to find one of three matching corresponding parents in a set of public showers. It's and a simple matching game, yeah, Laura. It's a simple matching yeah. game. It's try and do it really fast. Sometimes it will be like, you are this one set child 
you have you have like a, a timer for the whole thing and as you get to your dad you put time back on it and you've got to keep going till your timer runs out sometimes it'll be every time you get to a dad it'll switch up what dad you are there are like downgrades that'll make it more difficult like razors that shave all their hair off and water that makes you slip around the yeah. floor uncontrollably into stuff and it's basically run around really fast trying to like sort your head out enough that you can remember which dad is yours and then stuff starts fucking happening. Um, Once the dad loadable content starts unlocking. Oh god, and dad loadable content. So there are six levels to this game on the main menu. Three of them are open from the start, and three of them are sort of locked off or download dad loadable content. And I'm going to describe the first piece of dad loadable content that I unlocked. And this seems to be most people's first thing that they bump into on the review build is. You you get into a bathtub, and then you're in the Matrix, <laughs> and you're trying to collect your dad in the Matrix. And there's a there's a everything's glitching a little bit. There's yeah, a I didn't bar that's get filling that up. At all. I wasn't sure what the fuck I was supposed to do. <laughs> no, you collect the dads, and then this bar fills up. But then just shy of filling up the whole bar, everything glitches, and then you're in a bathtub flying through the sky. Yeah, and you have a gun, and. You are trying to shoot down the dads that are not your dad. It's basically a cross between like a, a side-scrolling shooter and Flappy Bird. Yeah, exactly. And you're trying to collect 69 of your naked dad. And then you get 69 of your naked dad. And then I think he's the president. I think he's the president <laughs> of the United States. But he's still naked. And then because I unlocked a rubber duck and everything kept just going. And so, then, yeah. so what you're saying is Kojima wrote the sequel then people people were talking about that in the twitch chat uh, well sorry the youtube gaming chat when i was streaming it and yeah people were saying maybe this is a lost kojima game or something yeah. uh, wouldn't surprise maybe me. it'll lead up to the announcement of silent hills again <laughs> so i've put about 45 minutes into it and yeah it feels like there's still a hell of a rabbit hole for me yeah. to go down shit gets weird fast and it makes you wonder like, how weirder it is pe people have denied that this is frog fractions too but I don't believe them, and I think this is Frog Fractions 2. I think at the very least, it's clear that the guy... Because Dad Divisions is basically Frog Fractions. Uh, that's yes. one of the games. Um, mm. At the very least, it's someone going for a Frog Fractions thing. It's, it's someone's going for the, here is your basic set of mechanics. Oh, wait, there is stuff hidden under the surface here for yeah. you. And if I'm not mistaken, because um, the, the game developer sent me a code and said that the game was coming out in a few days. And then once I put my video up, they were like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to throw it up now. Um, oh, is it up now? So they may have published it, and I think he, I, I, I mm. think uh, the developer got overexcited by my video <laughs> and just went, I, throw it up. He was, he was watching my live stream yesterday, apparently, and he was very sort of excited about yeah, it. He was he tweeting about like how he, he was enjoying watching me just confusedly shout, Dad. <laughs> yeah, it's on. It's, it's up now. It's uh, 41 reviews, positive so far. Uh, which I'm glad about because I genuinely like this game and people on YouTube, at least on my YouTube channel, the comments on the video I did, are really hating on it because I think they're seeing it as yet another one-note joke game, another simulator thing. Um, and there's, I just feel like there's much more to it than that. And it's someone mm. who not only had a good idea for a joke, they executed it and extended yes. it in a way that it keeps evolving. And they keeps extended the it in a way that... They extended it in a way that um, increases the gameplay mechanics over time in a really interesting way that yeah. kept me engaged with it. I actually uh, likened it 
during my playthrough to Binding of Isaac in that way, as as it mm. as it on subsequent runs unlocks new stuff for you. Um, I yeah, I also weirdly found myself comparing it slightly to Sonic Dreams Collection. Mm. In the like, this feels very norm. Oh no, this is not quite as normal as it was. Yeah, and wanting to sort of keep going down that rabbit hole, being like, where is it going from here? It, there's a lot of interesting influences on this game. It is more than it appears to be. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating, and, and I did not expect that. I thought I was going to mm. do a five minute video. Ha ha! They did a thing. That's that's kind of is this means I, lol? But no, I, I thought I would be doing the same, and then I found myself half an hour in being like, I feel like I need to stop to avoid spoiling things for people. Yeah, like that which was is where I was yeah. at. I was like, you know what? People are worried about Metal Gear Solid Five spoilers. It's shower with your dad simulator twenty fifteen that you got to worry about. <laughs> So, yeah, how much is that game on Steam? Uh, let me find out. It is uh, 99 cents. That feels perfect for yeah, this game. That's good. Like that, that feels perfect for people to be able to take a risk on trying it. And yeah. like the time investment before things start getting weird is short enough that you can get the idea of what's going for fairly quickly. Yeah, and I was going to say, the base gameplay is simple, but fun enough that you'll get it. It's the price of a mobile game, and it feels, you know, it, it would be mm. good on iOS, I think. And and I feel like 99 cents, you, it's fun enough that you'll get that money's worth. For, easy. For me, for me, I definitely got my money's worth, even if just out of the terrible, terrible dad jokes that oh, pop up God. on every loading screen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> What was it? Something like I used to be a shower addict, but I'm all clean oh, now, I'm, or something. Yeah, but like now, that. but now I'm clean. Oh, oh god. Yeah, I was a shampoo addict, but now That's I'm clean. It, yeah. um, like, why didn't the skeleton go to the ball? It had no body to go with. Oh god, they don't do that one, do they? I think they do that one. They do Dad some jokes. skeleton joke. They do some skeleton jokes, and it's great. Uh, it's good. So yeah, I genuinely enjoyed that. I did it not think I would. I didn't think that that would take half an hour plus of my time, like 45 minutes to an hour of my time away from Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Shower With Your Dad Simulator, to give it its full title, Shower With Your Dad Simulator 2015, Do You Still, do you shower, still with shower With Your Dad? With your dad? <laughs> it, so far, I'm recommending it to people. I'm like, that's, yeah. it's, it's simple, weird, and mm. fun. Like, it, it's genuinely knowing, enjoyable. Knowing that it's out now and that it's only 99 cents... Yeah, that is definitely worth both your time yes. and your money to put into it. Absolutely. And like, if you feel yourself getting burnt out, this is a nice, silly, interesting exploration of of interactions. Yeah, that was a sentence, maybe. Yeah, that, that it works. It's, it's it like works. A, it's like a it's like a bit of Hideo Kojima philosophy. Don't quite understand it, but I'm sure it makes sense. Exactly. exactly. So, we're, how far in are we? We're about fifty minutes into this yeah. week. There was we, a lot of news this week. Yeah. We haven't even touched we, on. Yeah, we we can very quickly touch on a piece of Metal Gear Solid Five PC news that happened. <laughs> um, oh no, because I am getting it on PC. Don't tell me it's a crappy port. Hey, Gavin. Gavin. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> um, are you buying it digitally or physically on PC? Digitally. Uh, you'll be okay, right. then you don't need to worry about this. Okay. So there's a physical uh, there's a physical <laughs> edition of Metal Gear Solid Five. On PC. Okay, um, You get the box. You get a disc in the box. You know how much data is on that disc? Eight megabytes. You know what that file is? That is the only file on the physical disc for the game on PC? It is a Steam installer. Yep, there we go. So that you can download the game from Steam. Now, in fairness to Konami, this is not the first game to have done it. No, but, but... Fuck Konami. <laughs> Fuck Konami. Like, 
here's the thing. Usually when companies do this, they put like a download code rather than a disc in your physical collection. Yeah. It'll be like, here's your collector's edition and here's a code for the game. They don't usually go through the effort of like, here is a, thankfully it's a DVD. Initially I'd heard reports it was a Blu-ray with eight megabytes of data on it, but it's a DVD with eight megabytes of Steam installer on it and that is it. And that seems stupid when it's like... So basically if you have a PC with no internet, you can't play Metal Gear Solid 5. And if 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 you've got a PC with slow internet, which in the United States is a lot of fucking people because the infrastructure out here is terrible. Or if you've got... computer with uh, capped internet for capped yeah. amounts of downloads like, wow. you're, like you're in trouble this is, this is the thing is that this was not announced before the game was put out for pre-order That's the and, really like, pissy bit, this yeah. is the, the shitty thing is that this wasn't known until people were buying physical copies and there are people who were like oh yeah I want it on PC but I don't want to have to download it I'll buy the physical version that comes with a disc with the game oh wait yeah and once again I've got to say between the microtransactions, the review events, the PC version, like, Konami is constantly turning the conversation away from what a fantastic bit of fun this game is to what a big bunch of shit they are. It is a game that largely deserves the flawless reviews it has had, or the, like, near-flawless reviews, and somehow the conversation is still, fuck Konami. Yeah, like... this this is really, uh sad to see is going to happen to Deus Ex now as well because oh, I have no doubt in my mind shit. that's going to oh be a, I have no doubt in my mind that's going to be a fucking amazing game but wow they're souring the taste of it for so, so many yeah. people yeah right now. who wants to talk about the uh, the pre-order shenanigans for Deus Ex I'll, I'll give it a little crack I'll give it a crack of the whip um, so basically and again I point out that other companies have done similar things Steam has done similar things sure um, but this is just wow. Like like the level of pre-order culture and the desperation in it is just disgusting. And it always will be. But basically, they're doing a thing called Augment Your Pre-Order, where you pre-order Deus Ex and you choose your own customizable loadout of pre-order bonus content. Now, tier one of this loadout is like alternate costumes for uh, Adam Jensen's. Now, tier two has some other stuff. But you've got to unlock that. How do the tiers get unlocked? Mm. Well, the more people who pre-order, the more the tiers unlock until they get 100% global domination and then the game is released four days early. It's basically a cross between a pre-order and Kickstarter. It's so offensive to the developers, though. I mean, yes. it's just like, as it's degrading the art form, completely degrading. I mean, yeah, it. I've said this before. Like, whenever I talked about um, not just this, but other things that, that game publishers do, there's such a lack of fucking dignity in it. And, mm. it. and you're right, it is degrading to the game and its creators when this, this, these desperate, cloying, undignified business moves are thrust into the limelight. It's an insult. So, yeah, don't go pre-order that game just in order to try and unlock shit. Yeah, I thought... I would have hoped they were better than this, but no, don't, don't the go is, pre-order the game just for I'm this. Sure, I'm sure the developers are better than that. But I, I know for a fucking fact Square Enix is not better than that. Square Enix... Now, I used to know a guy who used to uh, be involved with Square Enix's businesses, and they mm. told me that this is an ongoing conversation with Square Enix, um, where their eventual end game 
is to no longer release finished games at all, like full products. Uh, they are constantly looking for ways to sell games piecemeal, to break mm -hmm. games up into separate chunks and sell them. Almost like episodic gaming, but worse. Um, that's what Squ that's Square Enix's ultimate vision for video mm. games. And you so I am not surprised whenever they do anything shady, sleazy, anti-customer, or just plain. Disgusting. I dread to think what they're going to do with Lara if they mm. if they've that on on Deus Ex. What are they going to do to Lara? Well, you see, you know what I've just realised about Deus Ex. This is this is you know in keeping with the theme of Deus Ex, uh, mankind divided because. Now they're creating a divide between those who pre-order and those who don't, and they're creating two distinct camps, and one of them's going to be shamed for not being mm -hmm. in the other camp. They are creating a pre-order apartheid, if you will. Trademark. Oh, registered. Symbol. TM. Copyright. TM. They are creating pre-order apartheid. You know what? That, that, that is as funny as Konami censoring people on the internet when it comes to Metal Gear, a game that has as one of its central themes censorship of the internet and cultural yeah. exclusion. But that's, why, yeah. that's why it's degrading to the art, because it's, yeah. it's, it's so ironic. It's creating it situations which of, the themes yeah. in the game are quite about and against. <laughs> yeah, it makes a hypocrisy of the product uh, and diminishes the art. And it, it, is, it, it sounds like I've got a Jimquisition topic coming up. Um, mm. So I'm going to stop now because this is good stuff. <laughs> this is it's good like, stuff. It's now, like now if I've Rage Against like... the Machine got George Bush to, to you know, do guest vocals on their new album <laughs> yeah. so they now could the, sell more copies. All, all I've got to do now is try and do a video on this before Jim can get his out and now I can just be like, Jim's copying me. It's not hard to do. I'm, I'm, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call my video Pre-Order Apartheid and everyone will think I'm very clever. It's because um, the thing about me, I think Total Biscuit said it once, was like, everyone knows my shit goes up on a Monday. So you can easily, in fact, um, he was the one who sent me a link originally to this story, and he was like, it's, it's almost like they wait for the Inquisition to go up and then do something shitty to try and <laughs> escape it. Because it was, it was like the moment my Inquisition went up, and it was about uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 review events, the second it went up, then the pre-order <laughs> augment. Now I'm not going to suggest they did that on purpose, but the timing was just hilarious. And well, this is this is how you do it. What you do is you listen to Podquisition and hear the thing that Jim seems really interested in talking about, and then you're like, right, that's the thing we've all got to make videos about and dilute the right impact to Jim's. Um, exactly. It's not hard to steal his content. It's easy. I had to dilute the impact myself though, because people, so many people were sharing it on social media. It's like I've got to get something out. I didn't mm. want to do a sudden second Jimquisition in a day because I really liked my one on review events and didn't want to kind of up stage it so i had to record like a four minute rant um unscripted and just throw it on youtube almost as if to say i know it's yeah it was funny looking at how um how unanimous the opinion on it was because even like even with games like destiny or cod or where you look at the video and most of the comments will be negative and bitching and giving out but the likes ratio is still more likes but with yeah, this destiny pre-order so video defenders. The, the dislikes was, like, just yes. completely dominating. They tanked it. And I'm, I'm glad mm. to see that. Like, I'm, nothing makes me feel happier than seeing pushback against things like, like you know, abusive pre-order schemes and things. Like, mm. it's nice when you see it. And unfortunately, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean it will stop people from buying into it. I'm sure this horrible idea will, will work. But at least having that very visible pushback is mm. enough to give companies pause for thought because i know people act like companies don't care so long as they're making the money but 
they are sensitive reputation to vocal. matters yeah. and a CD, CD project are a, a perfect example of yeah. that yeah and it's not even it's not even reputation it's perceived yes. um, reputation sometimes and it's if, what, what if you can make it seem me? like people are saying negative things then they get concerned there's a reason why electronic arts got pissy when it won that uh, consumerist worst uh, company of, in America award twice in a row and got the golden poo because you know what that poll never really matters but Again, it's that perceived reputation, and there's a reason why Peter Moore got all defensive about it because they do ultimately care. So having bring putting up a YouTube video and seeing that many dislikes on it, like it does send a message. And and I was pleased to have seen so many people unanimous in like like this is tacky as shit. It was so tone deaf, though. I just couldn't. And I just and for some for a game that I'm looking forward to so much. You know, I yeah. mean, after Fallout, this Deus Ex is the one I'm really excited mm. about. It's just it I'm, disappointing. I'm not, I'm not terribly excited about it, but I can see the appeal of it, definitely. Mm. So, other news we had this week, uh, going through stuff quickly. I had a relapse this week. Oh, I yes. bought some Amiibo. Oh, Laura. I bought two Amiibo Stop. this week. what are you doing? <laughs> uh, well, here's the problem. <laughs> this is going to be like Breaking Bad. One day, right, I'm going to like walk into your house and you'll be on your back choking on Amiibos. And I'm just going to have to stand there and watch. I'll be choking on arse piss and it'll be totally worth it. But here's, here's my defence for the two I bought. And I've been told that I need to bring this up to you two and see whether it is okay. an acceptable reason for a relapse. It's um, never an acceptable reason. But, but this, I think this is a justifiable relapse. Um, <laughs> we so will the reason... hear your case. Calling now the case of Laura Dale and the Amiibos what she bought. So the main reason that I got out of Amiibos was because there were two that I particularly wanted that I could not fucking get anywhere and I was getting pissed off about it. And it was Shulk from Xenoblade and Ness. Two characters from games that are primarily Japanese series that you're never going to fucking get affordable little figurines of them in the UK otherwise. Let the record show she purchased a Shulk and a Ness. Yeah, I... I, I maintained the whole thing that I'd been doing while I was buying them, which was I will not buy them at above retail price. And I was in town and I saw both of them on store shelves. They both looked nice. They were both retail price. And I picked up two of the Amiibo that I had wanted so badly that I quit Amiibo collection through my frustration of inability to find them. And I picked them up at retail price. Gavin of Dunn, you have heard the case brought before you. The defendant claims that she did not buy above retail price, that she saw an opportunity and went for it to obtain her shulk and her nest. How do you find the defendant? Okay, let me just uh, discuss this with my other Quintesson heads here. Innocent. Now there's a joke that I wonder how many. There's a reference I wonder how many people in the audience will get. I love sons. That's fine. One person will get it, and then everyone else will comment, saying, "Oh yeah, I got it too." It's nothing. But you know what happens when the Quintessons find you innocent? You still uh, get executed. That is true. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. Mm. As long as I'm innocent. As least, uh, as long as I am found innocent before I'm executed, then I can live with that. That's all that matters. <laughs> Not live with that, as the case may be. Um, but that was kind of like a, a, just a way to segue into the fact there is more Amiibo news. And oh, this is a God. problem because they keep announcing Amiibo things and I keep wanting them. 
They announced a Shovel Knight amiibo. Um, you know what? That one I am not on board with. That, well, that why are you really not on board is, with that? That that really is the thing that I was I was defending amiibos before as like, well, it's not like they're like doing jumped up DLC. Like it's little funny things. Like that's a full co-op mode locked on that fucking amiibo. I I agree with you that I dislike its functionality. That being said. I want a little affordable Shovel Knight figure, even if I don't use it in the bloody game. Now, I'm not denying that's tempting as fuck. And oh I'm just looking God, at I it being one, like, but... it, it's shitty practice, but that doesn't stop me wanting to break my, my hey, amiibo I, embargo. I, I noticed a trend with amiibos on Twitter, actually. And this is something that could be completely coincidence, but the same people I see tweeting about amiibos a lot, not including you two tend to be the same people who enjoy Destiny a lot, and I found that really interesting. I've anecdotally seen that. That's that really... Does, that is really weird. That doesn't yeah. surprise me. Like people, Because they're both the same kind of uh, very exploitative experience. Yes. <laughs> Pe- they are the people who enjoy basically being taken to the cleaners uh, yeah. and, and, and being convinced that they, they've got value out of it. And I say this as someone who was heavily into the Amiibo thing for a while. You know, I'm Yeah, not, and I'm I was heavily into Destiny yeah. the first, like, two, three weeks. Yeah, so we're not just casting judgment, but, but yeah. fucking, we, this comes fucking from a hell place people of, will of... defend Destiny. Yeah. yeah, it's like I've, I've given up on even thinking about the, the functionality of Amiibos at this point. I don't care what they do in video games. I just want my affordable Nintendo figures. And I've, I, I'm just not even paying attention to the functions of them now. I'm like, I mean, I get eh, it. It's just I, I can't do something. I can't I'm not gonna go let myself. Back. Yeah, I can't go back to the amiibo thing anymore. Like, I, mm. I, I, I broke myself out of the uh, the cycle of trying to buy them all. And at this point, it is: is it something that I will? Like that, I really, really love that I will never otherwise get a, a chance to get an affordable figurine from. And if it fills those criteria, then I might buy one. I just hope mm. they're not doing all the Pokemon because because if they do an Ekans, then I might be in trouble. Either yeah. way, Laura, you're getting fed to the Sharkticons. That is true. Yeah. That's happening. I know. I'm so sorry. I, here's the thing. I'm <laughs> I'm an addict. You can't blame me for a relapse. It's a disease. <laughs> It's, it's an addiction. Yeah, it's it's an addiction. <laughs> addiction is a disease, and you cannot hold me responsible. You can only support me and wish me better. I do Dezebo. think that I do think these kind of things exploit people who are vulnerable in that way. Yeah, um, who are yeah. who are psycholo- like not not everyone, but I think there's some people who are psychologically very vulnerable to that kind of collect- I, collection mentality. I know that I'm one of those people and that's yeah. why I had to break myself out of trying to collect all of them. Um, I'm yeah. the kind of person that used to be heavily into uh, collectible trading card games, for example. Yeah, there, yeah. there is a bit of me that is just very Did you try about... Gwent, by the way? I did, yeah. Did you get addicted to it? Yeah, and I can't I couldn't I stop playing it. Yeah, I'm never going to be able to go to New Game Plus because I can't lose my cards. Yeah, that and sucks. I, I know I cards. kind of mocked that at first when it was announced, but now mm. I'm kind of, I've, yeah, I see it. I have something shameful to admit. What? I got all the Gwent cards. That is not shameful. That is admirable. That's majestic, sir. I finished but... the mission where you have to find every fucking Gwent card in that game. <laughs> so, yeah, Amiibo's like... I, I know I am someone who is prone to collecting things and organizing and having compl- being very completionist. Um, it's one of those just wonderful things about me. And I am very aware that Amiibos feed into that, which is why I had to snap myself back to, 
does it fit these very specific criteria? Then I can purchase it if I see it at retail price and if I happen to see it. Mm. And I've not gone out of my way. So I will never go out of my way. I'll never pay above retail and I will only get figure figures that I want because like I'm not going to be able to get a figurine. You know, it's a topic that, that almost we could do a whole episode on is the push and pull between gaming as an art and gaming as an exploitation of vulnerable people. I, yeah. And the, 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 the uh, Jim Position touched on that many moons ago, and it's another one I might redo for the, my mm. new 52 reboot, was the whole love games as art, hate them as a business. Mm. Yeah, and that's the thing, is just by the virtue of them being interactive, the way they keep you engaged with them has to be very different, and yeah. it, you know, they're never not going to be the most exploitative form of art there is, mm. because that is how they keep because, you invested Because they in them. can. It's as yeah. simple as that. Music yeah. and cinema don't have as many avenues in which they can do this. And yeah, I mean that's so that's what always gets me when people are like, um, "Oh, you know, companies won't have to do such shitty things when it's an all digital future and all this stuff." And it's like, no, if they're not abusing uh, customer goodwill and all this stuff and being exploitative because they have to be. They're doing it because mm. they can, and if movies could do it, they mm. would too. Because it's what companies Absolutely. do. Exactly. Yeah. So from there, should we should we get a couple of questions out and then finish yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. I will just say quickly. Um, no Mad Max discussion this week um, because I I literally just got home from buying it, um, and then we launched into this. Um, could the, the local store had four copies and they weren't on the shelves. So I, I think I said that at the beginning. This is, yeah, this is the second time you told this yeah. story. <laughs> but I just, I just, because some people might wonder why we're not talking about Mad Max this week. But there you go. I can't yet. Whoever, deci- whoever decided the release date for Mad Max uh, is probably writing up their resume. I, I think it's fucked up that in the year Fury Road comes out, that Mad Max becomes a cultural fucking... More so than it ever did before, I think. Becomes Mm -hmm. a cultural icon that a Mad Max game is just quietly squirted out. And it actually looks pretty good. I've been watching some gameplay trailers and things. I've heard mixed but mostly positive things. It's had very mixed things. The people who dislike it very much dislike it. The people who like it have been really positive on it. Um, I have a code. I've yet to touch it yeah. properly, so you know. I'm not so going to get around to that one for like <laughs> Jesus. I've still got Metal Gear Solid Four and Five to play. <laughs> I'm going to get try and get a couple of hours done while I'm away on the road this weekend. Um, I'm mm. going to be at a convention in Leicester called Alcon, and I'm going to try and squirrel away for a couple of hours and just get my hands on Mad Max, see how it's mm. doing. Yeah, so we'll chat some Mad Max next week. Yeah. Mm. Actually, Mad Max might be a nice thing to do for a break between four and five because yeah. Kojima Lunacy can, like, I mean, I was dreaming about fucking <laughs> Metal Gear last <laughs> night. And you can, you can have some, some Mad Max Lunacy instead. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, compared to Kojima, Max is relatively well grounded. Yeah. Has that ever happened to you guys where you've binged so hard on a game that you it goes into your dreams? Oh yeah, I mean yeah. not just dreams, but in real life. Like I once, I've said this before. I once played Killzone when I reviewed Killzone Two. I played it so much. Drive like being in a car at night was horrifying because of the red brake lights on all the cars. Like I just saw <laughs> wow. Hellgar eyes everywhere. Um, I found it with playing. I went back and replayed. I think it was Rogue Squadron Two. And then I went driving my motorbike home when it had just started snowing a little bit. (laughs) And it was the little white flecks in the darkness being lit up with the light. And I I was like, my Millennium Falcon's going into hyperdrive. (laughs) (laughs) When Uh, I was younger... Isn't Assassin's Creed notorious for that as well? You'd be walking around after and like, "Mm, could I climb that building? Yeah, 
take climb that. When I was younger, I played uh, Abe's. Um, this it was one of the two. I mean, I played both of them when I was younger, but I think it was with Abe's Exodus that this happened. I played so much Abe's Exodus. Now you quick save um, before every puzzle so you don't fuck up too bad. So I was quick saving, so quick saving, and when I was a young, a, a much younger man, I was. I would do things where I'd cross the street and momentarily think, I don't have to look both ways, I'll just quick save. And then they're like, no, this is real life, you fool! Cross the road properly! Uh, yeah, that is a thing that can happen. So, what questions have we got yes. this week? Let's have a look at those questions. We'll pick one or two. Um, uh, Megal O'Face wants to ask, how do you all motivate yourself to be successful? If you already have the ideas... How do you make yourself do the things? Can I answer this one? Yeah, go yes. ahead. I think I think it was you that picked this yeah. one out this week, wasn't I, it? I always find this an interesting question because it's never, ever an issue for me, motivation. For me, once I get an idea in my head, I can't think about anything else until I have made it into a solid uh, thing. It's it's never been an issue. Mo- I've had plenty of problems in my career, but motivation's never been an issue. It's It's almost the opposite. It's like I'm completely obsessed and can't stop thinking about it i i find that i sometimes struggle with getting started on creating things um like getting into routines for regular content production was a thing that took me a while to get sort of nailed down but for me the big thing is if i have an idea sometimes it can feel very daunting to start that challenge of of putting you know the idea out of my head onto the page and one, I know once I get started and I'm maybe a paragraph in, mm. I will have no problem with just like, I'll be like, yeah, this is fantastic. Let's go, go, go. And I'll get through the whole mm. piece. But that is where my problem lies. The first line is, is in, always the hardest, isn't it? Yeah. It's getting that first paragraph or so of here is the start. This is something I can springboard off of. Mm. And for me, it depends. Sometimes it'll be a case of, um, you know, like put, put a song on and um, like that's really pumping and get myself going. More often than not, I really like the, the... One of the few things that I do really enjoy about the social media age is that it allows me to be held accountable for things I want to create. It is very easy to just sit on my phone and tweet, hey, I'm thinking about maybe doing a feature on this topic. Does that sound interesting? And sometimes it, all it takes is... 20 or 30 people on Twitter being like, yeah, that sounds really cool. Get to them get me to excited. Be like, yeah, get yeah, excited. get them excited. Mm-hmm. That gets me excited. And that will sometimes yeah. just kick me out of that sort of malaise about it. Because I, I struggle a lot with depression. It's not a great thing to have. And sometimes it is just seeing other people excited about the things I'm planning to do gets me excited enough that I can get that first paragraph yeah. out. Yeah. For me, um, really, it's pure zealous excitement and love for what I do like that that's what propels me um once upon a time you know there were there have been aspects of my job that I've I've not liked to do but I did them mostly my motivation was because I had to because yes we should clarify we're talking about the creative side here right because clerical stuff I will I will just procrastinate that until you know yeah. And, until I mean, it becomes a huge legal problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've got like people knocking on my doors asking me for the paperwork. Okay, I should probably yeah. scribble it down now. Yeah, um, exactly. But when it, before I got into the, the current career I'm in now, I um, worked in uh, comedy, or at least tried. Um, first with a, a partner of mine, uh, Leo VK, who is now a pretty damn good musician. Um, he's in a band called Dog Stand, if you ever want to check those guys out. Um, 
but worked with him, did some stand-up stuff, and never really got anywhere. And it wasn't because um, the material wasn't... I mean, a lot of the material was shit. But there was some really good stuff I f- still feel we had. Um, but neither of us, as judged by the fact that he's a musician and I do what I do now, um, neither of us had the real passion for it we wanted to do it we liked Mm -hmm. doing it we had fun doing it we had plans to do it but we didn't have the zeal to do it and that's that's what i feel if you're doing something creative you need to have the passion like there i talk often about the book that i've uh, been trying to write um and it's slow going it's slow going i because it's one of those things i want to do i'd like to do it i have fun thinking about it but i still don't have I don't have the 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 drive to do it that I have to do things like the Jimquisition, that I have to do things like the reviews I do, to do things like this. Um, I found something in and and a lot of it is pure luck and, and you know good grace that I I was able to find it. But I found the thing that clicked with me that I have such an overwhelming passion for that I get motivated to get up every single damn day and do it. And I'm not to say that's the only way to get motivated, but for me, that was the thing. It was, there are many creative things I want to do with my life. I'd love to learn to do some, you know, be more musically inclined to write more than, than just what I write to produce different kinds of videos and comedy and stuff. But I just Mm. don't have the, the passion for those things. And I, and that doesn't mean I won't ever do them, but when it comes to finding motivation to do the thing that I do the most, mm-hmm. the motivation is inherent in me. And it's, it's something that like Gavin said, I can't control. Mm. And you end yeah. up wishing that there were more hours in the day that you could yes. do more of these things yeah. rather than motivating to do anything. <laughs> and it's, it's a difficult spiral motivation when it comes to sort of like trying to motivate yourself to do things outside of your sort of comfortable wheelhouse, because mm. you know, if you're doing something that you is part of your sort of standard repertoire of what you do, and you know that it's going to get positive feedback and that that's going to sort of feed back into continuing motivation. That's easy. It's really scary trying to do like, yes, here's the kind of project that is going to require more time and more energy. And I don't know if it's going to get that sort of positive reinforcement back. And that's a much scarier proposition to put that, to try and motivate yourself into. That that happened this year with, with my metal album. I mean, that was Mm. something that I decided I wanted to do. And it was a big risk taking two months away from my gaming stuff, which is what people know me for. And that then spiraled into almost four months. That album went so over time and I'd been putting out no gaming content or anything. And then I'm still glad I did it, even if I lost some views because I had to do it. For that entire three, four months, all I could think about was getting back to my metal album. (laughs) Even in the relatively low risk... um world of, of YouTube and I say low risk insofar as you can scatter shot ideas and not mm. suffer too much from it I don't mean that to say you know I'm not, I'm not dismissing true. YouTube but yeah. it's a great place where you can just throw stuff out if it's a great a place video, once you're established hate, to they're not going to suddenly shot. decide yeah. your yeah. shit but it can but still be intimidating to do I mean yeah. um, I, I once tried a video on my channel and was I lost some subscribers because of it and it panicked, like threw me into a panic. It was a couple of subscribers, like five. And it's still, <laughs> because of just the kind of guy I am, was the, like, holy shit, I'm, tr- I'm turning them away one, in droves. One, dis- one disappointed fan is mm. so much more hurtful than a million horrible comments I, from trolls. 
I get this so often with um, with Patreon. It is the big thing with Patreon where anytime I put something up, I start getting paranoid about any time that like a $1 a month back yeah. unbacks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, was that because of what I posted? Is everyone going to leave? Like ah. someone saw that, oh, fucking hell. Laura's yeah, doing more content. Like, it's like someone was that pissed off by a piece of content <laughs> I put out that was like a new thing that they like mm. unbacked me. And that's a really scary thought. It, like, it is, yeah. It quantifies but, the good or bad of everything you but, do. But not just on a money level, like on, a, on an emotional level. Yeah. It's well, really that's, that's what I, that's what it's I'm really like, it's, hard when, it's, when you make something yeah. that y- your audience, you thought they were going to like and they don't, yeah. they react and badly. That's and the thing. It's like, it's only a dollar, like a dollar a month I've lost. But it feels like more because it's like that is a human being who put some of their like financial backing behind me and they've changed their mind. Mm. And that's like, oh, oh, sorry. What did I do? How do I make this better for you? I'm sorry. Please enjoy my stuff again. Like I recently saw a discussion um, by uh, a group of um, like really old by by this period of time, like I would say old school uh, gym Sterling content fans, you know. Um, Gymquisition fans and on Facebook uh, talking about how much they don't like my squirty play videos that I do on the the ad supported section of my channel, um, and it and and I took the criticisms on board and, and obviously I, I'm not upset or that they criticised it. Um, in fact, I, I found some of their criticisms valuable and it's something I'm trying to take on board. But it's still like it. It hurts to see people who you know are fans dislike yeah. the thing you do, yeah. and mm. that can be intimidating, and it can it can make you worried to try new stuff. And I've, I'm mm. trying a new series at the moment called Nitpick Theatre, uh, which mm. is um, tonally similar to Gymquisition, but it's got a different, a real different spin on it. And so far, reaction's been good, but there's been a more pushback to it than something like Gymquisition, uh, because whenever you do something that isn't, I've noticed this on YouTube especially, and it makes me almost have sympathy for game publishers, almost. Uh, whenever you do something that is a little different from the content people are used to, they get pissed sometimes um, yes I mean we're, we're dealing with a crowd who get angry if I don't wear the same red tie every week if it's a different coloured tie there's a mini scandal um, <laughs> which I find I find that yeah. endearing and amusing but it's <laughs> scary when it comes to content and it's like here's yeah. something here's a new idea I'm passionate about what if they don't like it but at the end of the day the only way you're ever going to find out and, and it's going to sound corny like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take but it, it, that, it is true. There's, there's a reason that statement yeah. is, is. I think we saw that the time we did an episode of this show where we didn't talk about gaming. <laughs> <laughs> People either loved or hated that one, yeah. but yeah. like not all doom and gloom on that though. Like sometimes that kind of experimentation can go over really well. Like I know recently, um, uh, not even recently. This was months and months ago now, but I tried doing a little bit of just like short form fiction. I did a little short story called Fly or Fall. And it went over really well. And I've not done any since. I've not had the motivation to do more. But, you know, I might do some again. And it seemed to go over well. So, you, you know, you experimentation's fun You had sometimes. your catharsis for the moment that needed it. Yeah. I had my one little bit of, like, I need to do some fiction. And I did mm. some fiction and it was all right. So yeah. mm. um, we all got very serious again there. We, we're making a habit of this at the moment. Question time gets really serious and sort of people, introspective about us, doesn't it? People seem to really want to get those those deep questions answered. Yeah, so on the less deep stuff, um, we're, we're probably, you know, wrapping up, about ready to wrap up. Mm-hmm. I just want to read the, the uh, someone sent us a fan fiction. Oh dear. And I'm, I'm just going to read the beginning that's only about Jim. 
I'm going to read the first yeah, paragraph. Yeah, I don't, I, I, oh, no offense to the writer. I'm sure it's great, but I'm just, I don't think I want to know my best. <laughs> no, no, no. This, this is, this is a different one. This is a different one. This is not the one that I showed you, Gavin. Okay. This, this is one about the human embodiment of Konami. Ah, okay. So I'm going to do a nice dramatic reading, and this is from R8.50 Mango. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is on the, 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 the email address we have, the, uh, askpodquisition at gmail.com you can send your emails there um, the room is dark tenebrous even it smells of stale sweat and other fluids a faint whimpering can be heard from a curled up vaguely human shape on the floor a door opens bathing the room in a harsh electric light for a split second illuminating the face of the man on the floor the face belonging to that pathetic figure is that of Konami itself its hands and feet are bound with leather its body rudely clothed in crisscrossing strips of black vinyl, a bright red ball gag in his mouth. He looks to the door in fear at the truly corpulent shape looming in the doorway. Truly the corpulent. Fa- mm-hmm. Yeah. The face is hidden behind a chrome-breathing mask with teeth, but he knows. Oh, he knows. The identity of the man stood in the room with the raging erection is Jim fucking Sterling's son. That's in- so that's, uncomfortable on so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I'm not going to read any more, but that's... You know, the worst part is there, there is something coming up on the Jimquisition around about Halloween time that is not that uncomfortable, but shares thematic similarities with some yeah. aspects of that story. And I just want to point that out now because the thing that's happening around Halloween, I want to make absolutely clear, will be in no way inspired by what I just heard. <laughs> I find that hilarious when people claim they inspire. Like, I'll put out a song about the big. Someone will do a request for like a Metal Gear song, right? And when I put out the Metal Gear song, spoiler, you know there's going to be someone on the video going, "Oh, he took my idea." Yeah, because like, it, 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 saying the words "I want a Metal Gear video" is completely the same as inspiring how to do a video about Metal Gear. I get that with other people's work, like people claiming I stole other people's work. Mm. Like during E3, I made a, a fairly standard jokey observation on one of the press conferences and someone came right in with, uh, you stole that tweet from Giant Bomb? And I'm like, I got no. accused of stealing one of your tweets as well, actually during E3. <laughs> right. I can't remember what it was, but it was yeah. a stupid like, joke. I get it on YouTube a lot. Like, like, I mean, I've been called a rip-off of Yahtzee like, ever since Yahtzee was a thing. Um... And I get accused of ripping off people who started way after me. Or, or, or there's a guy, there's a name, Video Game Donkey comes up in comments sometimes of stuff I've done. Now, I've never watched one of that man's videos. I don't know if he's good or bad. He might be awesome. But I'm not ripping him off. I don't I, I don't, don't understand how anyone is. could compare Jimquisition and Zero Punctuation. I mean, yeah. the only similarity is the British, it's the British accent, accent and the slightly and snarky tone. You're British and you're sometimes yeah. angry about things and you get a bit passionate. Yeah. But it was like a nitpick theatre um, when that debuted. The one, the one I mentioned uh, was like, "Oh, so you're just kind of ripping off zero punctuation?" Uh, and there was something else they said I was ripping off, like two things apparently I'm ripping off. And I'm like, "No, no, they're, they're both completely different shows." It's like Jim, Jim's I'm Oasis and Yahtzee's Blur. That's it all. Yeah, I'll take to, that. to draw back to the fan fiction, the whole reason I mentioned that is. I read everything that comes through this bloody email address. I'm just making this clear. If you've sent me an email, I've read it start to finish. I read the 30,000 word fan fiction that someone wrote. Jesus Christ. I read everything that comes through this inbox. Don't, tr- yeah. don't test me. 
I read it all. And 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 Laura if, shields us from most if of you, it. <laughs> if, if you write a 30,000 word fan fiction about a near future where my offhand tweet makes me ruler of the world and then things get fucking creepy, I won't be happy about it, but I'll read the whole fucking thing. I will get yeah, through I, it. I won't. <laughs> that is what I do for this bloody show. So, yes, everything, no matter how weird and fucked up, it goes through me. Yay! Yeah. Laura is our weird shit conduit. I get sent a couple of, and it's only since Podquisition began, I should say, I get sent some stuff sometimes that borders on kind of creepy and weird. And I get that it's kind of all good natured and fun, but don't be, what I'm saying is don't be offended if I don't respond about it. It just, here's here's the thing, it's like, shit, like fan art of me shitting in Gavin's pint is like, okay, that's a running joke. There's nothing in there that's going to be too, you know, upsetting to see. Go ahead with that. If you're going to do something that's about, you know, more more uncomfortable themes, maybe check with the person before you do the fan art of them that it's okay to include those themes. Yeah, I mean, I always have to stress this uh, when people ask me, because I've been asked about this before. Me as an individual... I am okay. Like, I joke about that fan fiction and stuff. I am okay with almost anything mm. if it's just me. If you're just drawing pictures of me doing weird things, if you're just coming up with scenarios for me that are creepy, yeah. if it's just me as the individual, you have my permission to go and do and be weird kind of, and whatever yeah. gets Which you I up. would agree. I would um, agree with that there. Yeah. Yeah. But my being okay with it does not make other people okay with it. Does and not some, mean that... sometimes it's not even us. Like there was something, um, there was a fan art someone sent me, uh, it was a couple of months back and it didn't upset me, but it upset, it upset someone close to me. And I was like, damn. Yeah. I, I, I realized that sometimes it's just, it's, there are certain things I just cannot show to certain people in my life. Yeah, you know? completely agreed. It's basically like just be... Be aware, like, I found that 30,000 words fan fiction, um, for me personally, fascinating in the weird fucked up rabbit holes it went down. It was fascinating and mm. I could not stop reading. That being said, mm. it's weird and fucked up and I cannot blame Gavin for not wanting to interact with it. And it's yeah, worth so mentioning as well that the vast majority, like 99% of fan art I ever see oh, is... Yeah. Delightful There's to just me, the and I love occasional it. one where it's like, yeah, yeah, I can't blame Gavin for not wanting that kind of stuff made about him. I, I call it the Sterling Ten Percent. Um, there is a ten percent <laughs> of the Sterling audience that is, and and again, I personally do not judge. I personally yeah. love I would, it. I agree. But, if you want to do that kind of stuff about me, then go right ahead. Yeah, yeah, because it, it fits with the tone of a lot of the stuff that you do. Yeah, but you know? both yeah, me and yeah. Jim are it very over the me. top, and as such, yeah, you want to be yeah. over the top about us? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, if you're part of that weird ten percent, that's like I love. G- it, Gavin's but the person not who's not a Patreon-funded person and who has serious stuff that he has to do business-wise with companies, and who has people in his life who you know might not want to be subjected to that. Pictures of me doing sexual things to yeah. other people are oh, just that, yeah. But so no. we, we're, mm. we're just saying like we're not saying like don't do anything, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. But just no, do whatever just put you want. A little that that, that being said, I do have one thing I want to say before we wrap up. My mum has now seen fan art of me sat on a butt throne with a butt scepter, <laughs> and she asked why, and the only explanation I gave her was 
it's a long it's it's a long story it's an in joke there's a reason for it don't worry and like shoot her away so i'm afraid she's starting <laughs> it's a long she's story starting to realize the 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 <laughs> the laura k buzz persona is starting to seep into her perception so the next few weeks are going to be fun <laughs> As long as you don't start reading 30,000 word fan fiction. Yeah, it, where I think so long okay. as she doesn't stumble across that 30,000 word fan fiction, yeah. then everything will be fine. If she does stumble ac- across it, she might want to know why there's 30,000 words about me turning the UK to cannibalism and about <laughs> making bombs out of shit. Good, mm. good, good, good. Okay. So in in short, just to be clear here, I I I sorry, I just really want to clarify here. I'm not ever annoyed with anyone who does kind of crazy fan art. Just don't be offended on your behalf if I don't respond or don't look at it yeah. because I'm only human and I try not. I know the internet isn't a place for sensitive people, but I can be sensitive sometimes. Yeah. So. <laughs> and that is very yeah. okay. So yeah. Yeah, is that a good place for us to wrap up this week then? I think that's a good place to wrap up. We've, uh, yeah, we, we've gotten very nice and real again yeah. at the end. And, and I like yeah. that. I like, uh, we're not afraid to show our raw innermost selves. That's not a cue for you to write a fan fiction about my raw innermost selves. You can self. write one about my innermost raw innermost selves. selves. You can write a fan fiction about my internal organs if you wish. They're raw <laughs> and <Yeah>. inner. <laughs> Right, thank you all for listening. Um, thank you to Laura and, and Gavin, as always. Thank you to Patreon supporters as well. You've, uh, the, su- the support's just been ridiculous. We're still breaking records on that. It's it's wow. Um, thank you for everything. Uh, we will see you next week, uh, where we all have played some Mad Max. And maybe I'd have gotten 10% into Metal Gear Solid Five story. <laughs> and uh, I, may, yeah. I may have gotten to play it. <laughs> <laughs> you may have started it, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.